welcome to About Town. I'm editor Morgan Phillips, and I'm here with our wonderful spring intern, Julianne Tran. Hi, Julianne. Hi, Morgan. Can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I am a student at the University of Tulsa, um, and I started interning here at Tulsa People Magazine starting in January. Um, And I'm originally from Mustang, Oklahoma, but come up here in Tulsa for school. And when do you graduate? I just graduated last weekend, actually. Well, it's been so awesome to have you at Tulsa People, and um, we were so excited that you wanted to pitch a great story idea to our editors, and that story idea was about the international markets in Tulsa and all the different um, products that they carry and the backstories of the owners and how they came to start each international market. And so can you tell me a little bit about how you came up with that idea and why you were interested in it in particular? Yeah, so the first thing I did when I moved into my first college apartment was go with my mom to the um, Asian grocery store to get some of the staple groceries that I would need to start cooking on my own. Um, And so we drove down to East Tulsa um, and we went to Nam High to pick up some of those um, staple ingredients. Um, And that was something that really drew me to start writing about it because I realized on that drive there that there are so many small little ethnic grocery stores that um, serve the population of Tulsa. And I know Tulsa is already a very diverse city and because of that there are so many grocery stores that have popped up um, to begin to serve some of these ethnic um, groups and communities in Tulsa. So growing up did you eat a particular Asian cuisine at home? Mm -hmm. Yeah so I'm Vietnamese American and so my mom mostly cooked Vietnamese food and so that was something I very much wanted to learn to do once I had my own kitchen to start cooking. So have you actually started cooking a lot of Vietnamese food? Yes, actually, it was a little bit difficult at first because so much of my mom's cooking is just eyeballing the recipe and like putting something here and there. Um, And so it was a lot of just watching her and then trying to write down some measurements based off of what it looked like when she was cooking. Um, Well, so tell me about some of the characters that you met in doing your interviews for this feature. Was there anybody that stood out to you in particular about their story that was just really interesting maybe? Yes, definitely. Um, so a lot of the interviews I did, I did in the stores because it was a lot easier just to be able to go to the store, see the place, um, walk through the aisles, and then talk to the owners. Um, and so some of my favorites were definitely talking to Casey Cho at Seoul Super um, Market, a Korean grocery store um, in southeast Tulsa. Um, he was really great to talk to, very much of what he wanted to do with this store was to make people comfortable, um, whether they be Korean um, people wanting to get those staple ingredients or Americans wanting to try Korean food. He was very friendly and very easy to talk to, and I loved just walking through the store and hearing the stories about how um, it came to be. And I also really loved talking to Indaya, who owns um, Indaya Afro Tropical Market, which was really fun um, to see all of the different African ingredients that she um, has at her store. Um, she has two little boys who sit behind the counter and help her um, at the store, which is really sweet to be able to meet them and to be able to talk to her about the store as well. That's a great point. And these are all family-owned businesses, which is so neat that um, there's multiple generations involved in many cases. And I love that you pointed that out in your feature. And I wanted to read something from the introduction. Um, you are a beautiful writer, which we already knew, but that really comes out in the introduction here. Um, you said, a grocery store tells the story of its neighborhood. It tells the story of the foods people cook, the tastes they crave, and the meals that bring them home. It reveals our curiosities and our desires to understand one another. 
A grocery store holds the memory of generations past, the meals that sit in the crevices of our mind, and the ingredients we remember from the back of our grandmother's cupboards. And that's just such a beautiful word picture. I wanted to read that to people. Um, Hopefully that piques their interest and they will go pick up a copy of the May issue of Tulsa People, which is now on racks around Tulsa. Or you can always read our content at tulsapeople.com and find Julianne's story there. So great job, Julianne. After this, we're going to drop a little bit of audio from one of your interviews. Who will we be hearing from? Yeah, you'll be hearing from Casey Cho, who owns Soul Super. What was it like at the early days of first opening the store? Well, it was it was only Korean customer. Mm-hmm. You know, the customer wise, you know, at that time it was uh, let me see, it was like 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. Korean food wasn't really known yeah. for American people uh-huh. and you know, another country. So it was only Korean people coming in, and I, it, I was kind of struggling. And then I was like, okay, maybe I can just you know give a service just do some service to the everybody mm-hmm. not just the Korean yeah and then then actually you picking up the mm-hmm. business is really picking up and then and then k-pop or yes. k-drama mm-hmm. and also that will actually helps me out too because mm-hmm. because uh, I didn't really have to advertise because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know the people is automatically the media and all that they can all so I said well kind of helped me out and then I just I know the this kind of business is all about the customer service mm-hmm. and make them feel better and make them feel comfortable when they're coming in because yeah. actually the, a lot of American people coming in here mm-hmm. and they won't really com- feel comfortable because they don't know what it is yeah. and you know most, most I understand the most of American people that goes to Asian store they don't feel comfortable like why do you think you really need this store in the city of Tulsa I mean the Asian community is actually the growing in mm-hmm. Tulsa mm-hmm. yeah it's not like a 20 years ago now it's ever and then everybody yeah, and then and then all this the new generation the young people mm-hmm. they're open they have an open mind open they're willing to try anything mm-hmm. now they're willing to not just the American food yes they're willing to try so many different cultures, so many different food, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot of Asian store around Tulsa, but everybody carries everybody carries different ingredients, different culture stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So we, I just want them to experience the all this different food. Yes. Yeah. Next up, Tulsa People columnist Connie Cronley reads her May column. Why not say what happened? It was the title that attracted me to the book, Why Not Say What Happened. This is a memoir by Ivana Lowell, a dishy account of her chaotic childhood with her mother, Caroline Blackwood, and Blackwood's husbands, painter Lucian Freud and poet Robert Lowell. The title came from a Lowell poem, and he took the line from writer Elizabeth Hardwick, who was another of his wives. Oh, these characters led crazy salad lives, but I still like the title. It is a profound question. Instead of fiction or myth or silence, why not just say what happened? 
Recently, I've been the guest of several clubs, book clubs and groups that wanted to talk about my book, A Life on Fire, Oklahoma's Kate Barnhart. She was a politician, a nationally known social reformer called the Good Angel of Oklahoma. But most people I've met have never heard of her. And they ask most frequently, and often with outrage, why did Oklahoma history not teach us about Kate Barnard? How have we not known about the widespread swindle of native properties in our own state, in our own city? How can we be Oklahoma citizens and not know this? Now, these were small audiences of thoughtful people, caring citizens, genuinely concerned about the gaps of their knowledge. Then they ask, more importantly, now that we have this information— What are we going to do? What should we do? What can we do? Ralph Waldo Emerson said, all history is biography. And Kate Barnard's biography is certainly the history of Oklahoma, from Indian removal to white settlement and statehood. Her social reform issues were education, mental health care, criminal justice, and labor, meaning livable wages and safe working conditions. Her work in these areas helped the new state of Oklahoma in 1907 be recognized as the most progressive state in the Union. Progressive Oklahoma? What happened? These issues are still in the news, but now we rank near the bottom among the states. Then Kate took on the Indian question, as it was called, defending Native orphans being defrauded of their allotment properties in what Angie DeBeau described as an orgy of plunder and exploitation. It was this campaign that destroyed Kate Barnard's State Department and her life. And now, like other issues, A tug-of-war for Indian monies and Native properties is again making headlines in Oklahoma. Some readers of Kate's biography ask, how can we make sure that young people learn what we didn't? And then they ask the harder question, what about reparations to the Native Americans whose allotments were swindled or stolen? Big questions. One woman is making a spiritual response She read the abstract of her own Tulsa property with the name of the original native allottee and now walks on her property with what she calls stepping prayers. She told me she's quoting Black Elk. Let every step you take upon the earth be as a prayer. And if every step you take is a prayer, then you will always be walking in a sacred manner. She said, I want my stepping prayers to be prayers of gratitude for the land I now own. And if I'm feeling particularly regretful about the way our early decision makers treated the Native peoples, then it can be a prayer of forgiveness. The way we critically re-examine history has as much to do with the present as the past, how we want to see ourselves and how we want to be seen as a nation. That's according to a long article in the Wall Street Journal titled, What's Really at Stake in America's History Wars? The past is what happened. 
but history is what was written down. Usually, history is written by the victors. Kate Barnard lost her final battle, and for years, nobody wanted to write that down. As much as I like the title, Why Not Say What Happened, I also like the title of Gloria Vanderbilt's memoir, It Seemed Important at the Time. Which of these titles best fits the story of Oklahoma's history and of Oklahoma today? That's all for this week's episode of About Town, the mini-podcast of Tulsa Talks. This is a bittersweet sign-off for me as it's my last for About Town. In the coming days, I will transition to a new role with Downtown Tulsa Partnership, which means I'll be transitioning away from Tulsa people. But you can bet that I'll be among the most loyal listeners of the Tulsa Talks podcast to see all of the great content that Tim Blakely and the entire crew are churning out. See you around Tulsa!